Welcome to the Readerly Report. Your hosts are Gail Weiswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to another edition of the Readerly Report. Today, Gail and I are doing our summer book preview. Now we're recording this, <laughs> we're recording episodes out of order because I am taking a couple of weeks in Asia. So I'm going to be in Hong Kong and in Bangkok. So we're recording this episode before, and we're just mentioning this because we don't have any, we're not going to do any backlist books and we're not going to do any what we've been reading because as a pre-recording, it'll be out of order and <laughs> and we don't have anything else to share <laughs> since we last recorded yesterday. So, but we are going <laughs> to talk about all of the books that we're looking forward to for the summer. And when we came up with this idea, Gail suggested that we do try to cover roughly eight books a piece. And so what we're going to do is take a couple from each of the months, like two or three from June, July, and August to get you ready for, you know, you can start getting on the whole list and know what's coming out. So as usual, you know, some of these, I found I had a couple that I'm, I'm going to mention independent of my list that we have either mentioned on the spring preview shows because they came out in early June, which I guess is technically still the spring. And we may just mention quickly in passing any big name authors that we think that you should be aware of in addition to our picks. And so. one little note is that Nicole and I have not shared our list with each other. So we may have picked some of the same books, which I always like when we do that because it shows that our tastes are similar. So either I will pile on in those cases or I will. So I don't know. You might have, <laughs> you might have 16 books. You might have eight <laughs> I'm going to, my prediction <laughs> is that we're going to only have maybe two, uh, one or I two think 10 overlap. to 12. Yeah. And I, I think we're only going to overlap on one or two books. That's just my prediction. You think? Yeah. I don't know why. Okay. That's, I'm in a gambling mood. We like to gamble. Yeah. We come into this. I don't know what she's going to say. She doesn't know what I'm going to say. So yeah, I like to gamble. we like to keep it interesting. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. So. So do you want me to kick We're it off? We're just going to jump right in. Yeah. All right. Well, I have my first book, uh, and I'm going to do these in chronological order. My first book comes out on June 4th, and it is Searching for Sylvie Lee by Jean Kwok. And um, I have read a couple of other of Jean's books, and this is her third novel. And uh, her books deal with a lot of similar themes, which is uh, women and immigration and feeling out of place generally, you know, being Asian and coming to America. So in this case, according to Amazon, a poignant and suspenseful drama that untangles the complicated ties binding three women, two sisters and their mother, and one Chinese immigrant family and explores what happens when the eldest daughter disappears and a series of family secrets emerge. So ding, ding, ding. ding this is also on my oh, list. Oh boy. Okay. Here we are. So. First one of overlap. I had a feeling this one might overlap, but I wasn't sure. So Yeah, I read Mambo in Chinatown, and I really liked it. And I actually met Jean when she came here when that book was released because – who is her publisher? Her publisher then was – maybe it was Riverhead because I think 
Lydia organized the party and it was at this place, this very swank, I want to call it speakeasy in Chinatown called Apothecary, which I've been to a bunch before, but I think it was new at the time. And they do all these, they have these mixologists do all these crazy drink concoctions. Oh, so, fun. Yeah, it was a really fun night. Um, I I was introduced to Jean Kwok through a friend. I can't remember who it was. It was like somebody who read my blog knew her or it was a friend of a friend of someone who read my blog. I don't remember what the whole story was, but they said, Hey, there's this new author. She's got this new book coming out. Would you review it? And you know, that's always a tricky proposition, but I have to say that the times in the past that that has happened have usually worked out really well. So this was before anyone knew about her and any, this is before lost in translation had even come out. So I said, sure, I'll read it. And you know, then I read it and it was great. And I said, well, let's, um, I'd love to, you know, interview her for my blog. And I did. And so she and I have been like Facebook friends for years and years and years, ever since this happened before she became famous. So it's been really fun watching her success, um, both Lost in Translation and Mambo in Chinatown. And this book, Searching for Sylvie Lee, is all over the place, like all these, you know, summer reading lists and anticipated books of 2019. So I'm just really excited for her that things have gone so well. And this one, Looks like it's in the same vein as her other ones, but maybe a little bit more of a thriller to it with there a mystery to solve or what's happened to the sister. And uh, I'm really excited to give it a try. So that's June 4th, Searching for Sylvie Lee by Jean Kwok, and that's Kay. And it seems like it seems like she's branched out a little in the fact that it takes place in multiple places because usually... Yeah, usually she's I in New York. Lost in- Right. Usually she's in New York in, you know, in Chinatown and with there being some kind of friction between ABC and traditional, I mean, or immigrant Chinese, like American born Chinese and actual Chinese immigrants. Mm -hmm. Um, Um, I really liked Mambo on Chinatown too, because while it was dealing with all of these elements on culture shock and navigating a culture it had these fairy tale elements to it that were really fun with the dancing. Mm-hmm. But this one is sort of, yeah, like you said, more of a mystery, more up one of those things, uh, has more in common with things I think that I traditionally think of as up my alley in terms of secrets coming out and disappearances. And it sounds really good. Yeah. And she lives in the Netherlands. So she, um, you know, I, maybe she grew up in she a, does. yes, I didn't realize yeah, that she does. I think maybe her husband is Dutch, but she went to Columbia and went to Harvard undergrad and then Columbia and then, and now lives in the Netherlands. So she's, I don't know. She's very entertaining on social media. So follow <laughs> Jean and, uh, give this book a try. All right. So that's my first summary, June 4th. What do you got? Have you taken, okay. So my, pick comes out on June 25th. It's called Signet. It's by an author called Season Butler. I'm not sh- sure if this is a debut or not, but it had a really interesting premise, sort of coming of age dystopian novel. But in the fact that it is more age related than anything else, and maybe some kind of commentary on how we idolize youth and everyone just wants to be so young. But it is about this young 17-year-old um, just called The Kid. She's been left by her parents with her grand- 
grandmother and the grandmother dies. She lives on this island off the coast of New Hampshire. So she doesn't know how to find her parents. She's 17 years old. She starts doing some kind of work for a neighbor in order to, I guess, provide for herself. The island that she lives on is called Swan Island. And there are these older people who have gathered here who have fled the mainland and they're like trying to build their own community that is away from a mainland that I guess is so obsessed with youth. And they call themselves the Swans. And she calls them the Wrinklies. <laughs> so <laughs> they, 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 they're, there they are on this island. And, you know, of course, they notice that she's there. She's adolescent. She's 17 years old. They become sort of hostile towards her. So while she is, like I said, it's a coming of age novel. So she's navigating all of her own stuff. And she has to deal with the rising tensions with these people. But also, at the same time, the sea levels are rising. So there could be a, a catastrophe of another sort of other sorts. And um, this one just sounded really interesting. Like I do like a good dystopian novel every now and then. And just it's, it's interesting to see this one from the perspective of youth versus not youth. <laughs> How would I say that, Gail? Uh, youth versus experience. <laughs> right. I, the only word that would pop to mind was the elderly. And that was not what I meant. Right. Yes. Youth versus experience. So yeah, it's out June twenty June twenty fifth. Um, nice. Okay, well, that was not on my list, so that's exciting. So now we have two. two. All right. So my next book is called In West Mills by Deshaun Charles Winslow, and this book is about uh, it's set in an African American community in North Carolina, and it's bridges from nineteen forty one to nineteen eighty seven. And it's kind of one of those like small town stories. And it's about a woman named Azalea Center who lives in this small town called West Mills. And she kind of lives her own life, lives her own way, doesn't want to, you know, kowtow to the expectations of her small town. And she lives kind of ostracized from other people. And she turns to a neighbor named Otis Lee in search of some community and to sort of help her feel connected. And he is kind of escaping his own issues with his own family and tries to help um, Azalea with her life. So it does say for readers of the Turner house. And as you know, I didn't like the Turner house, <laughs> but it is by a different author. So I'm getting, would like to give this one a try instead. And I don't know, it just sounds like a, setting and characters that I haven't really read before. Have you heard anything about this one? I did. It was on my list too. Oh, it was. Okay. Hmm. All right. So that's okay. We'll continue we'll along. Ahead. Okay. So that comes out June the 4th in West Mills by Deshaun Charles Winslow. All right. So the next book on my list comes out July 2nd. It is a book whose author I have told Gail about, I've recommended Marcy Demans Dermansky. Marcy Dermansky wrote this book called... Red, the Red I Car. I can't think of the name. The Red Car. Bad Marie. I read The Red Car too. I didn't like it as much as I liked Bad Marie. Um, but she she writes, you know, I'm always interested in the books that she writes. The Red Car was good too. 
It was I no bad Marie. I didn't love was... the the red car. Um, so I'm intrigued. What is what was bad Marie about? So bad Marie is about this woman who she is with her boyfriend and they get involved in some sort of criminal activity. I think she might be sort of adjacently involved in it. Like maybe he's the main criminal, but she was with him and helping him with something. Anyway, she gets sent to jail. I think she gets out and a friend of hers, like a distant friend, gives her a job as the nanny to her child. I believe this is set in Paris. So it's sort of all about the dynamic because Marie is bad and, you know, the relationship that she has with her daughter. Like, I don't know that she is the most responsible person to leave the child with, but she also becomes involved with the woman's husband. And she, so it's just all about those kinds of dynamics, like what kind of, you know, I guess this woman who doesn't really want motherhood or anything traditional and the choices that she's making, sort of an anti-heroine that you root for, but also juxtaposes what Marie is doing with some of the decisions that the mother is making. It's all bad, bad, good fun. Okay. So now the novel that she has out is called Very Nice. (laughs) So it's about a student who should not kiss her professor, but she does. Somehow she brings her professor home to live with her. And he's, he should not accept this invitation of his students to, you know, to go live in this swank Connecticut home, but he does. And then he becomes involved and has an affair with the mother. So I don't know. It just talks about, um, it says you're privy to the world of Manhattan investment banking, MFA programs, and the bedrooms of Connecticut. And it just sounds like it'll be like sort of fun and trashy to read. Mm, Okay. And I like her book. So I'm, so I'm really excited about this, her treatment of heroines who just, you know, people who just do what they want to do and they're sort of bad and you kind of root for them. Well, that's certainly the case with the red car, right? She just kind of, does what she wants and you know then she gets <laughs> this i guess it was her boss her boss died and left the her boss this car and said take this car across the co- oh you have to get a, come across the country to get the car i think right. That's right yeah so she has to she has to kind of fulfill this last wish and do some stuff she doesn't want to do Bad Marie is really short, so if anyone, for whatever reason, needs a book that's not that long. Um, I think Red Car is also pretty short. Yeah, she doesn't write her, her – I think that she has it right. She doesn't write super long books. You're not going to – I don't think you'll ever read one of her novels and be like, oh, this is just dragging. This one is 300 pages, which I think is probably long for yeah. her. So – all right. So what's okay, next? Okay. So I have a book that's totally out of my usual comfort zone, uh, but <laughs> it had a kind of a cool uh, fact pattern to it. It's called Paper Wasp by Lauren Acampora. It was on my. Are list. you serious? But go on, oh, man. You want to? Do it's you want to okay. do this one then? I feel like I keep taking your books. Nope. All right. I have extras. All right. All right. So this is a book about two sis, two friends. So one of them lives in Michigan in the small town and she's kind of languishing, living at home, like working at the supermarket. And she's obsessed with this woman who used to be her best friend, who's now a starlet in Hollywood. So Abby, the one in the small town is obsessed with Elise, the actress and follows her career and her pictures and, like obsesses over her 
And then they, of course, meet up at their high school reunion. And Elise says, oh, you should come see me in L.A. in this kind of noncommittal way. And Abby decides to show up. So then when she gets there, she finds that things aren't necessarily what they seem in Elise's life. And she gets kind of enmeshed in her world. And meanwhile, she's got her own agenda and things going on. And um, it sounds like it's going to turn into sort of a thriller and maybe some like, you know, shattering climax. So I don't know, not my usual type of book, but looked interesting. So that comes out June 11th. Again, Paper Wasp by Lauren Acampora. Do you know anything about this book? Um, no, not much besides the description catching my eye. Yeah. Have you? I've seemed like it was going to be a good one. Yeah. I'm a sucker for like toxic friendships. <laughs> <laughs> so then it's not too far out of your range. Yeah, true. True. All right. So if you like toxic friendships, then I'm going to skip ahead to August and tell you a book that Miriam gave me when I saw her for dinner. It's called Devotion by Madeline Stevens. It's written by someone who was a nanny in New York for seven years. She's from someplace called Boring, Oregon. I kid you not. What a great name. So this is about someone who, it's about a young woman named Ella who is just broke. And it says she's barely making her rent and seducing the occasional strange man who might buy her dinner. So I guess unexpectedly she runs into someone on the Upper East Side who offers her a job. Like they are a couple, um, they are very wealthy. So they offer her a job as a nanny. Here we go with the bad nannies again. And so she's exposed to this extreme wealth. Like she goes from being completely broke to having an extravagant amount of money is what they're paying her. She lives in a brownstone. Um, she travels with the, she travels with the couple like her and the wife whose name is Lonnie are the exact same age. You know, they're both 26. So they're both young, but they're both, their lives are so different. And Ella starts developing somewhat of an obsession with her boss, you know, how, with her wealth and her looks and, you know, like she's supposed to be a talented artist. And so I think she starts to envy her life and she starts to get resentful. So, you know, nothing good happens when your employee gets a little obsessive Mm -mm. and a little resentful. (laughs) So (laughs) it's a bad combination right there. It does not, it has a cover it's like one woman is in black sunglasses and the other one is in white sunglasses and the, you know, like the black sunglass lady is looking at the white sunglass lady. It's very, the cover is very single white female. So that comes out in August from Echo. Miriam said I would like it. Well, Miriam <laughs> knows your taste really well. So that's probably a good, a good bet. Okay. So my next one, I learned about this book and I'm like obsessed with it now and I must have it. And in fact, I got approved for it on Edelweiss, if you can believe it. I think that's the first time I've actually applied for a book and then been approved for it because I'd almost never use Edelweiss. But I need you to (laughs) explain to me because I was trying to figure out how to get it onto my Kindle and I couldn't figure that out. But that's neither here nor there. So the book is called The Body in Question by Jill Cement. I'm not sure I'm saying that right. C-I-M-E-N-T, who I've learned is a Canadian author. 
But I just think this sounds so interesting. So here's the story. Um, It takes place in central Florida. There's a sensational murder trial set in a courthouse and where one uh, twin, a girl, is on trial for murdering her little brother. So two of the jurors, there is a woman who's a um, 52-year-old married reporter And then there's another juror who's a 41-year-old professor. They develop a relationship and they start sleeping together, I guess, while they're sequestered for this jury. And the story comes out that two of the jurors got involved and things get extremely complicated. It just sounds like such an interesting book. Like, I just love the, the details of the facts and I don't know. It seems like I can't resist this one. So I need you to explain to me how to get this on my Kindle and then maybe I'll read it or I'll just wait for it to come out in print. But again, this is Jill Simon and the book is called the body in question and it comes out on June 11th. And I think Sarah from Sarah's bookshelves either read it or has it and is going to read it because it was on, I think it was on her preview post or she mentioned that she had read it. And, um, I don't think she, or she was in the middle of reading it. So I don't know if she liked it or not. But when I came across this, I was like, I've got to get my hands on this book. So I want to mention that Ruth Ware has a book coming out. Her books are now so big that they have her on the cusp of, um, she basically almost comes out in September, which, you know, is when they bring out all the books that they expect will do really well. This book is coming out August 27th, so it's almost not a summer book. But I feel the need to alert you that there will be a new Ruth Ware. And this sounds like one that I will really like. I mean, I think that nannies are having a moment. <laughs> yes. Nannies are having a moment. Okay, so this one is called Rowan. She stumbles across an ad for a nanny. She wasn't looking for a job as a nanny, but once again, this position is going to pay her a lot of money. So she moves into this luxurious house and she embarks on this position, but you find out that she, this whole account is her writing to her lawyer from prison where she has committed a crime. And so they talk about, you know, like what went into how she got the way how to how she got to where she is in terms of, you know, like, does it have anything to do with the fact that she's living in a smart house? So she's always being watched and she's always being monitored. The children are not what she expected. It's not like they're not well-behaved children. So it looks like a lot has gone into her getting where she is. And this sounds completely fascinating. They're calling her they're calling this an unput downable thriller from the Agatha Christie of our time. I have yet to read anything big, by her, but I know you big have, words. right? I read, yes, I've read one of her books, which I really liked. And I feel like it was the one that everyone else probably liked the least because it was, it was slower. It was about these three friends who go up, you know, they have a reunion. And of course there's something in their past that is um, sort of menacing and threatening them and they have to discover and get to the bottom of it. But it's about the you know, it's a lot about the three friends and how their lives have changed in, I believe it's maybe the 10 years since they've been 
together. One is a mother, you know, one is an artist, someone still haunted by what happened to them in the past. And so there is that mystery element and I think it pays off, but it is a, it's just told at a much slower pace, which I really enjoyed. I think the house in, on cabin in, uh, there's something called Cabin 10. It's not the house in Cabin 10 because that makes absolutely no yeah. sense. But <laughs> Cabin 10 is one of her other novels. Right. And so as it's actually called The Woman in Cabin <laughs> 10. I read The Lying Game. And then she also has a book called In a Dark, Dark Wood. So We should have known it was The Woman in um, Cabin 10. Of, of course, course. Of course. Of course it was. <laughs> Why was I even stumped on what that <laughs> right. word should be? I would have... Totally failed right. if that was a fill-in Just somewhere. defaulted, yeah, to the woman. Okay, so my next book is called The Most Fun We Ever Had by Claire Lombardo, and it comes out on June 25th. And this book sounds like everything I would want in a book, except for the fact that it's like 544 pages, but I don't love big doorstop books. Oh. Although once I'm in them, I'm fine, but I'm always like... Daunted. But if it's really good and juicy, no, it has a I good know. juicy premise. So this is about... There's a couple that lives in Chicago. They've been married for 40 years and they're very happily married and they have four daughters. And this book follows what happens to their four daughters. So it takes place in 2016 and the four daughters are in, as the description calls it, each in their own state of unrest. One is widowed. One is um, a lawyer who's now staying at home with her kids and she's feeling very anxious and doubtful of herself. One is a professor who's newly pregnant uh, with someone she's not sure she wants to be with. And then one, the youngest daughter is living a lie that no one in her family suspects, which usually means I think she's probably hiding some sort of sexual identity. So um, they're kind of like burdened by the fact that their parents have this great love story and they feel like they're never going to live up to their parents' love story. And then I guess one of the daughters had given up a, a child 15 years earlier and that child resurfaces and that kind of throws everything into tumult. So uh, according to uh, Amazon, it spans nearly half a century set against the quintessential American backdrop of Chicago and its prospering suburbs. Lombardo's debut explores the triumphs and burdens of love, the fraught tethers of parenthood and sisterhood, and the baffling mixture of affection, abhorrence, resistance, and submission we feel for those closest to us. So family drama, um, it, they compare her to Celeste Ng, Elizabeth Strout, and Jonathan Franzen as visionary chroniclers of our modern lives, and it is blurbed by Rebecca Mackay. So like, what more would you want out of a book than that? Well, maybe not the Celeste Ng part, but... Um, it's just, well, I wouldn't want the Jonathan Franzen part. Yeah. Okay. So maybe the blurbs, Elizabeth Strap. I'll take that one, but it comes out on June 25th. And this seems like it's going to be probably pretty good doorstop book, doorstop summer read. That should have been on your challenge challenge list to read a doorstop. Mm, No, (laughs) you, you have one. (laughs) What this one? Yeah, but the problem is that if I know I have a doorstop read coming up, then I like start to dread it because I'm like, oh, it's so long and I'm going to have to not read anything else while I'm reading that. It's going to take me several weeks. So then I start to put it off. So I'm kind of glad I don't have one on the challenge list. By the way, how's your, uh, how's Mm. your challenge coming, Pop Sugar? My challenge is coming really well. 
Like I'm easily, I have, I've been lazily completing it because I really haven't needed to concentrate on it. Basically everything I've read so far has fit into it. Mm -hmm. And I did spend an hour last week, like a nerd going through and slotting in the books and (laughs) juggling them around. You know, if I've read something different, I I feel like I can get Mm -hmm. two prompts out of it. Then I made that change. Mm So now I'm getting down to the ones where I'm going to have to read very specifically because there's a specific thing in the title or, yeah. and I've been playing around with that too. Cause I was going to read American pop, but then I found this book called pop goes the weasel. That is a mystery book <laughs> by MJ Arledge. Who's an author that I read the first book in the series and pop goes the weasel is the second. So I think I'm going to use that. Cause I don't know if I'm, feeling American pop the way what's I the, had What's the prompt? A word, a book with pop in the title? Yeah, it has to be, a, it's a book with pop, sugar, or challenge in the title. Oh, cute. That's cute. <laughs> Good. I like, so, I like doing this challenge vicariously ha- through you. <laughs> right. All of the pleasure, none of, none the, of the pain. Struggle. None of the reading. Um, Right, none of the oh, reading. That sounds good. I think I'm like five out of twelve for mine because I just read something. Oh, because I think I stuck. I'm not sure I'm going to leave it there forever, but I think I stuck educated in true, a true survival book. So if I don't mm-hmm. get to another true survival book, then that then that will fit in that one because I mean, if so, then would you have to read another memoir? No, I've already read like three memoirs, so I'm good. What else could would educated fit on in your challenge, though? Well, I think it would be memoir, but then I realized that it would fit under true oh, survival. Which you, you clearly don't need that. I don't need it. So if I don't find right. another true survival, then I'll put educated there. Uh, I don't know why I feel like that's cheating to put educated in true survival because I mean, if that's not a book about survival, I don't. But know, it yeah, is. I know. I think it's because I have another book that I had. Yeah, wanted what to would read be there. true survival? Well, I remember I found that book about the woman. It's been on my shelf for years. The woman at the North Pole who um, basically self-diagnoses herself with cancer, and then she has to treat herself with chemo, like chemo drugs that they airlift and drop onto the North Pole during the winter. So that yeah, I almost feel like educated is more true survival than that. Oh, all right. Well, maybe I'll just do that. Wait, but I don't know if they're air dropping her drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they both sound very horrendous and true survival like yeah, to me. Right, so I think that you can't go wrong with either of those. Yeah, so if I don't get to the icebound one, then I will just keep educated in. Oh, and someone made a great suggestion last night for humor because you know, and I, you and I both are very picky about humor because we don't find much things, many things funny that are billed as humor. But um, somebody read the latest collection of essays by Helen Mills, who's the woman who read American Housewife. Is that her last name? Helen Ellis. Ellis, sorry. Helen Ellis, who wrote um, American Housewife. And she said that the essays were very funny. And she was using that for my challenge as her humor book. So I'm thinking I might do that. Mm. Okay, but that is a major... The Marcy Domansky book is supposed to be brilliantly funny. Oh. I ignored that because I know Marcy Domansky. So I feel like her brilliantly funny will be a funny I can appreciate. Yeah. Helen Ellis's stories, I felt like they were funny, but I also felt like only half of them were. Right. Well, these are the essays, so I don't know if it's they'll be more consistently right. funny. But They might be more funny because they're from real life. Yeah. I think real life is unintentionally funny sometimes. Yeah. 
All right, but that's a major digression. So we will go back to you. It's your turn for a summer read. Okay, so Colson Whitehead is going to be following up the Underground Railroad with a book called Nickel Boys. It's set in the 60s in Tallahassee, Florida, and it's set in this all-black enclave. And the hero's name is Elwood Curtis, and he is a a devotee of Martin Luther King. So he's really inspired by his speeches. He is, he's a teenager, so he runs into some trouble and he gets sent to a, a reform school called Nickel Academy. So apparently horrible things happen there. He has a friend there called Turner and it's all about him trying to get through his experience at Nickel Academy. He's trying to hold on to his, Martin Luther King ideals and ways of looking at the world in a very violent and abusive situation. And his friend Turner doesn't think that that's possible. And I guess it's all about those dynamics of him surviving his time there. And I guess the aftermath of that, they say that this is based on a real life reform school scandal. Actually, I was going to use this for my pop sugar challenge because they say that you can, it was going to be my free challenge. Like you could pick a challenge that had taken place in any of the previous years. Mm -hmm. You could take a challenge prompt from there. So I was going to do book based on a real place. Mm -hmm. So this is the book that I'm going to use for that. So apparently this book, I wanted to, let me just find the quote for this because it was so terrible what they put in the blurb. And I guess it could be just being a little bit melodramatic melodramatic, but I thought it was funny in a horrible sort of way what they wrote about this place. I think they said something like ruining boys' lives for 111 years. Now, I've read the description of that book. It looks extraordinarily grim. Yeah, based on the real story of a reform school in Florida that operated for 111 years and warped the lives of thousands of children. <laughs> The Nickel Boys is a devastating, driven narrative that showcases a great American novelist writing at the height of his powers. So, like I said, this is the follow-up to the Underground Railroad. It sounds really interesting, and we'll see how he does. You know, he didn't come up on our male author show, and I think that's because I have read him so inconsistently. And I think I had read him so inconsistently because he had the zombie novel, which I couldn't finish, and there was Sag Harbor, Mm -hmm. which I liked. So I feel like he's written so all over the map and now he's getting, it seems like his last two novels have been so specific, you know, in some way about the African-American experience, whether it's been fantastical or like in this case, more true to life. seems like he's exploring that right now. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. He's been so all over the map. I read, but I've only read one. I just read Sag Harbor. I didn't read Underground Railroad. And I didn't definitely didn't read the zombie zombie one. Yeah, shocker! I know. Um, Remember when we met him at Book Expo? No. Yeah, we did. We he signed uh, Underground Railroad. Did he say something funny? No, he didn't say anything. He just signed and moved us along. Yeah, he did. Okay. Yeah, maybe that's why I see him walking around the West Village. I think he lives there. All right. Well, on our next mail roundup, we'll make sure we include Colson Whitehead. Okay. So my next book is called Three Women by Lisa Tadeo, T-A-D-E-O. Also on my list. Oh, really? Sorry. I'm done. 
No, it's okay. Sorry. I can talk about the supper club. Okay. So this is nonfiction and it is a book in which the author interviews three women across the country about their sex lives. And one is a suburban housewife. One is a student and one is a restaurant owner, professional woman in the Northeast. And each of them has some secrets and some, you know, very personal things to share about their desires and their sex lives. And she interviews them for this book. So rather than, sorry, rather than get too into, um, the, you know, the specifics of each one, because I don't want to give too much away. Um, it just, I don't know, just sounds really interesting. And I like that it's nonfiction. Is that the only nonfiction book we have on the list? That's the only one I have. I think so. Okay. So my next book is a book called Supper Club by Lara Williams. And this book reminds me a lot, I guess the tone of it reminds me a lot of Sweet Bitter and in, in the in the fact that it's a coming of age story, college age, or just post-college age women who are trying to find themselves navigating experiences with men who are charismatic or can take advantage of them in certain ways. So this is about a woman who has basically been isolated growing up. She leads a very sheltered college existence. Really, she only has her mother and an aunt to rely on when she goes back home and she has her beloved family pet. She has a hard time making connections. She goes through some experiences in college that have led her to be withdrawn even as she's graduated and found jobs. But she does meet a roommate who she really hits it off with. I think um, the woman, first she works at her job, but they really hit it off. So they get an apartment together and then they start a supper club, which is sort of supposed to be a subversive way at getting back or reclaiming their bodies and themselves. So these women go, they cook these elaborate meals and indulge themselves. But as the tradition of this supper club continues, it starts devolving more into, I guess, acts of anarchy and violence. Ooh. Okay, July 9th. Oh, so earlier than I thought. Okay. All right, well, I have another book that's also coming out on July 9th called The Bookish Life of Nina Hill by Abby Waxman. Now, she wrote The The Garden of Small Beginnings, which I have not read and I really want to read. And um, this one is about a an only child with a single mother who's now an adult. She, her name is Nina. She lives in a bookstore. She does trivia on the side and she's like very introvert sort of loner person with this kind of quiet life that she's very happy with. And then all of a sudden her father, who she never knew she had suddenly dies and he leaves behind this big family who all want to meet her and get to know her and they live nearby and she's forced to kind of interact and become, you know, connect with other people and kind of engage with real life, which she hasn't really ever done before. So it sounds like a light read. Sounds like a good summer read. It's blurbed by Emily Giffen. So that should, you know, give a little bit of a sense of the audience that they're looking for with this. But I never read The Garden of Small Beginnings and I really wanted to. And so I threw this one on the list too. And this should not be confused with The Overdue Life of Amy Byler, 
This one is called The Bookish Life of Nina Hill. I think we talked about the overdue life of Amy Byler on our May book preview. Um, so anyway, this one looks cute and it's coming out July 9th. Okay. Do you have anything else? Well, I had two more I just wanted to mention very briefly in passing. One is Things You Save in a Fire by Catherine Center. Um, this book is getting a lot of buzz, early buzz. Uh, Catherine Center... Um, let me just look up quickly the uh, synopsis of this one. I think it has to do with firefighters. Let me see, save. Um, so Catherine Center wrote How to Walk Away, which was a book I read last summer. That's the one about the woman who gets in the plane accident with her fiancé and then is paralyzed. And she writes these somewhat light and hopeful books, but they have usually some hardship and heft to them as well. So they're kind of a nice combination of substantive yet not super depressing. And um, this latest one is about a female fighter, firefighter in um, Texas. And then she suddenly has to move to Boston to help her mother who is sick and she gets a job with a old school Boston firehouse. And this is all about like, you know, she gets involved with another firefighter. So it was a little glimpse into the world of firefighters. And, you know, I think it's going to be light and probably like all over the place this summer. So that was the first one I wanted to mention. And then the second one, and I know I've talked about this before, is that J. Ryan Straddle has a new book coming out this summer too called The Logger Queen of Minnesota. It comes out July 23rd. This is his second novel after Kitchens of the Great Midwest. And I am scared to read it because I'm worried that I won't like it as much as his first one. But it's got... Well, I don't think you should be scared. I mean, obviously, you're not going to like it as much. You don't like anything as much as Kitchens of the Great Midwest. That's an extremely good point. You're right. I don't. But I'm worried I'll be like super disappointed with it. <laughs> but um, this one is about uh, beer. Uh, yeah, a beer. Um, somebody's uh, a family or a couple start a brewery in Minnesota. And I mean, it says lovable, quintessentially Midwestern characters, easy to make their mark in a world that's often stacked against them. Deeply affecting, humorous, emotional family saga. I mean, if it's a third as good as Kitchens of the Great Midwest, I'm sure I'll like it. But anyway, it just it, I feel like this is fraught. I have, and you and I have discussed the fact that I have this one on Kindle, and um, I don't particularly like reading on Kindle, so I haven't read it yet. But I can't seem they're not going to have print versions of this until right before it comes out. So I have to decide whether I want to try to read it early. Or if I just will bite the bullet and pick up my Kindle. And that is it. That's all I got. Do you have anything else you want to mention? My last one I'm going to mention is a book that Lydia gave me by Elizabeth Gilbert called City of Girls. And it is set in 1940. It's about a heroine called Vivian Morris, who is kicked out of Vassar. And her parents send her to New York City to live with one of her uh, aunts who owns a midtown theater. So she meets a whole bunch of flamboyant people, the stage actors. Um, she meets the backstage manager and 
is having a grand old time when she makes a personal mistake that affects her life. And I think she's basically ostracized from the, the life that she had been building. And it talks about how it changes her life in a bunch of different ways that she won't realize until she's much older. And in fact, she's telling the story in, you know, she's looking back on her life. I think she's in her 80s or 90s when she's looking back and thinking about the choices she made and what regrets she has in love. And I started reading it like it's, I really like Elizabeth Gilbert's novels. Like I haven't read a lot of her nonfiction, but her novels are are really good. I mean, with the exception of Eat, Pray, Love. There was one other nonfiction book that she wrote about this pioneering man, mountain man that sort of looked interesting. But anyway, I like her. I like her fiction. I'm interested in 1940s New York. And she's such a great storyteller. Like to read the first few pages of this book is to immediately just want to sit down and and to join that world. So this is her first novel since she wrote The Signature of All Things. I have yet to read anything by Elizabeth Gilbert. You haven't read anything Mm -mm, I never read Eat, Pray, Love. I never read Signature of All Things. I I feel like you and I met her once at a Penguin event in New York. We did. Wasn't she on roller skates? That I don't remember. Or no, she was talking about wanting to, she want, She was talking about wanting to roller skate or oh, something. Okay. How that would be fun. Yeah, I don't remember that part. Uh, I just remember the penguin party. We did meet her. She was really yeah, fun. I think she was with Meg Wolitzer. That's possible. Maybe I'm conflating two events, but um, yeah, I haven't read anything by her. So yeah, maybe this will be the one I bite on. All right. Well, that is a nice, robust list for the summer. Certainly not comprehensive. There's lots and lots of lists out there of books coming out this summer, but these are the ones that caught our eye and the ones that we think we might want to pick up. So hopefully if you like this show and you like our picks, you'll like these as well. So we'll link to all these books in the show notes and um, Hmm. let you know where you can find them and when they're coming out. And uh, hopefully we'll get back on track next show with our backlist books and our what we're reading, but, um, this special episode we had to slot in. So, so Nicole, we wish you very safe travels and lots of good reading and downtime. And we will look forward to connecting with you when you return from the far East. So until then, happy reading. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the readerly report. You can find all of our shows on iTunes or at the readerly report. Please join our Facebook group, Readerly Report Readers, where you can talk to other listeners about the reading life. You can also find Nicole at NicoleBonia.com and me, Gail, at EverydayIWriteTheBookBlog.com. Finally, we'd love it if you left us a review on iTunes and told your book-loving friends about us. <laughs>